Welcome to the Thursday Arts Preview, where the P is parenthetical. I'm your host, E.J. Ionelli. Spokane has a new poet laureate, and she wants to bring poetry to unexpected places. Later in the program, we'll be hearing from Mary Smith, who was recently appointed to the position. To start, we're going to march straight into an interview with Alyssa Brown and Renee San Pedro. Alyssa is a student at Cheney High School and junior drum major for the Cheney High School Band. Renee is vice president of the Cheney High School Black Hawk Band Parent Booster Group. Together, the students and the parents that they represent are looking to take Cheney High School Marching Band and Color Guard to Indianapolis in November for the Bands of America National Marching Band Championships. That will make Cheney High School the first school in our region to make the trip to this prestigious national competition. Alyssa and Renee came into the studio to talk about an evening of Golden Notes, which is their upcoming fundraiser to help support the trip. And Alyssa began by providing some background on the different ensembles that make up the Cheney High School Band program. So we have our symphonic band, which is a non-auditioned group. We have our wind ensemble, which is our audition group. Um, similarly, we have our percussion ensemble and our advanced percussion ensemble, which works in the same way. We do our pet band, we have two jazz bands, and we have our marching band. And about how many students as a whole are involved in this entire program? As a whole, we probably have maybe around 105 people in there. It's a lot of people. <laughs> it, it sounds like it. And how many are in the marching band currently? Uh, currently, we have about 86. We're hoping to have 100 plus in our next marching season. And like a lot of musical organizations, or really any organization, you require a certain amount of funding. And that's where the Booster Group comes in. Renee, if you could talk to me about the Booster Group and its mission. We support all aspects of the Cheney Bands program, from helping at football games and marching band events, um, providing a support system for them um, so that they have you know, snacks and full bellies, and we also will help get equipment onto the field, help create props for the shows. We are, you know, carpool uber extraordinaire, <laughs> getting all the students to and from. We are also um, the seamstresses, like if somebody pops a seam or, you know, pulls <laughs> a hem out of their uniform during a performance, we're right there making sure that, you know, between preliminary performances and finals, they're fixed and still looking their best. So that's another big part of what the boosters do. Um, you know, we're really just like boots on the ground. And about how many folks are involved with the booster group at any given time? Because I know with volunteer groups, uh, it, a lot of that is time dependent, a lot of that is resource dependent, and so sometimes they can uh, they can shrink or expand as parents are able to make that time. So about how many folks do you have involved? Our board is four people, and then we have anywhere from 20 to maybe... 40 parent volunteers that are supporting depending on the event. Yeah, and I have to say that's a really good parent-to-student ratio or volunteer-to-student ratio because mm -hmm. um, usually they look a bit smaller, but if you're talking about a group of 100 student musicians who mm -hmm. are involved in this and 80 or 90 of whom are actually involved in the marching band, to have you know anywhere between 20 and 40 parents, that's a, a really good turnout. 
Yes, we um, are really lucky. Our parents are very supportive and really active with our boosters. And so turning back to you, Alyssa, now how long have you been involved in the band and what exactly is your role? Um, Well, currently I'm a junior in high school, but I've been playing since fourth grade, I believe. So um, I've been there for a while. I've done marching band the three years I've been here. I played flutes for the first two years, and now uh, this year was my first year as drum major. I was junior drum major, and next year I'm going to be senior drum major. And so that transition from flute to junior drum major, talk to me about that and how maybe it made you grow personally because now you find yourself in a leadership role as opposed to being one of the band. Yeah. When I was a flute player, it was very much you fit in with everybody. You try not to stick out. You try to be as perfect and as similar as everybody around you. But as a drum major, I get to be a little bit more than that. Um, There was a really cool part in a warm-up time that we had, and I was smiling the entire time. I was (laughs) laughing as we had our big hit and that was probably the greatest moment I've ever had because I saw every single person in front of me feeding off of that emotion and as a flute player I was able to feed off of the emotion but now I can give that emotion to the people around me and like it's it's not about me it's about them and so it's like one of those things where it's like You're in a leadership position for the rest of the band, not for yourself. And that's one of the greatest feelings in the world for me. Um, And Renee, you had talked about the fundraising component and all the all the things that require fundraising. Um, About how many fundraisers do you do a year? Right now, we start the season with our community day event. And then before the holidays, we have um, an apple pie sale fundraiser and it's really a whole band whole group effort in that regard because we make every single pie that we sell and then in the spring we have our evening of golden notes jazz auction and then we are peppering in a few other um, fundraisers throughout the year so i'd say probably four to five on average this season we're you know ramping up for something big so we're putting a few extras under our belt this year (laughs) and you mentioned that you're planning for something big Mm -hmm. what exactly is that big thing that you're planning for we are taking this amazing group of students to the bands of america grand national championships in indianapolis indiana why is that such a big deal we are the first school in our region to make this trip. And with the fundraising component, you're going to have to fund every aspect of this. Uh, Is the school district covering anything or are you going to have to fund transportation and lodging and meals and, and the whole shebang? The student travel is going to be um, the focus of the fundraising for um, the boosters. The school district is helping with some of the expenses, and the boosters have created a plan to get our semi-trailer with all of our equipment to Indianapolis without putting that burden on our families. So the main thing that we're doing is um, making sure that every student gets there. Our goal is... Um, everyone goes or no one goes. And everyone, are we talking close to 90 students? 
well, we're actually hoping for more than 90. Oh, so the full assortment the of students. The full ins- assortment of students, our entire marching band, all of our players, as well as our color guard. And um, we're really focused on, you know, growing that to about 105 before next season, just so we can do all the things that we have planned for our show. And just to clarify, you're going to be driving out as opposed to flying out? Oh, no, we're we're flying. Okay, I didn't know if it was uh, going to be a road trip, which no. sounds like an adventure in and of itself. <laughs> our equipment will be, will be driven, okay. but not us. Great. And And Alyssa, from a student's perspective, is this something that you're really excited about and what are you hoping to get from it? Absolutely. When our band director texted me about it, I was jumping up and down. (laughs) I was so excited. I have been a part of hearing about how this is going to happen. I've had that privilege. And every single time I get giddy. I am so excited to go. This is like the Drum Corps International, the marching band place and my school gets to go. My friends get to experience this. I get to experience this. Our staff gets to experience this. This is a once in a lifetime thing. And I'm so excited to be a part of it. And what exactly, what is the opportunity that it will provide? Will it just give you this larger platform? Will it put you in touch with other bands that you can learn from? Um, Is it a competition? Uh, Yes, it is a competition. And we are going to be competing with bands all across the nation, like so many different people are going to be there. We are going to be staying for finals, which is the top bands, and we're going to be listening to all of them. And from my experience of just listening to um, the bands that we have competed against, going to these Grand Nationals and listening to the top bands is going to be an insane experience. We're going to learn so much I've been listening to a few of the bands just online, and I am already in awe that we're going to go meet these bands, and I get to go meet these people and interact with the other drum majors, and it's going to be an amazing experience. Yeah, so competing in the hopes of getting top honors, but uh, at the same time, you'll also get to collaborate and learn from other bands that are, that are in this position, you know, in the hopes of doing even better in future competitions yes. as well. And Renee, this uh, evening of Golden Notes that's going to serve as the primary fundraiser for this, what goes on at this event? So we have appetizers to start while um, the silent auction begins, and then the evening transitions and we serve dinner. And then after dinner is served, both of our jazz bands will play. Our jazz two will play first. And then our Jazz One group will play. Um, We will have a student speaker, someone who is actually selected from um, our band students. Uh, We have a parent speaker. And then the night kind of culminates with our live auction, which can be fun. And uh, it might seem obvious to you, but, you know, if we have a listener who's thinking, you know, this sounds like something I'd like to attend. Do they have to have a student at Cheney High School or do they have to be associated in some way with this uh, with this organization or can anybody attend? Anyone can attend. We welcome anyone and we love to have guests. We really love sharing the music program and our jazz bands are so great. Well, I want to thank both of you for coming in today and talking about an evening of Golden Notes as well as giving us a rundown of the Cheney bands. It's been enlightening and interesting and uh, yeah, thanks again for coming in. Thank you. Thank you.
That was Alyssa Brown, junior drum major for the Cheney High School Band, and Renee San Pedro, vice president of the Cheney High School Blackhawk Band Parent Booster Group. They were giving some details on the school's band program, and specifically an evening of golden notes, which is a fundraiser that will help the Cheney High School Marching Band and Color Guard get to the Bands of America National Marching Band Championships this autumn. An evening of Golden Notes takes place on Saturday, March 9th, with live performances, a dinner, and an auction, and anyone from the community can attend. Tickets and more information are available at cheneybands.org. And you're listening right now to their marching band perform in the finals at the Harvest Marching Band Festival in Yakima last October. Let's talk poetry. Mary Smith was appointed to a two-year term as the new Spokane Poet Laureate at the start of this year, but it took her some time to muster up the resolve to put her name forward. For a while, she had put writing on the back burner, but then she found encouragement in book groups and poetry readings. And when she went to a writing workshop organized by the former Spokane Poet Laureate, Mark Anderson, as she explains, it reawakened something important. It was like dusting something off that's been on the shelf for a while and thinking, maybe this thing still works. And it was that part of me and that piece of me that was always there, but had taken a, a little bit of a stall during parenting. Yeah, and I think this is where we see the persistence of gender inequality in art, because it's traditionally expected, even now, that the mother will shelve her interests mm -hmm. in order to care for the children, whereas the fathers don't necessarily have that same obligation. Mm -hmm. So during this time when you were parenting, did you feel like was something missing because you didn't have time to pursue that creative outlet? I'm of two minds when it comes to this question, because on one side of it, there is always in me this idea that even when if I'm not producing, I'm writing. Mm -hmm that I'm collecting stories, that I'm collecting moments. I want to practice a presence in my life, in, in reality, as it's actually unfolding, and not always as I wish it were. So in that right, I was doing the best I could to continue feeding that space in me. And on the other side of that, absolutely, you know, I was missing just pen in my hand, just to do the creative for pleasure for fun sort of stuff 
I was also newly sober when I moved to Spokane. I celebrated my third sober anniversary in the same month that I moved here. And so it felt like there wasn't enough time for everything, everything. It was like, I want to stay sober and I want to be a parent and I want to be a partner. And, and yeah, then creativity sort of takes, it has to take kind of a backseat to those things. So to say, yes, there was this missing thing and thank goodness uh, for friends who are going to keep calling you back to. And, and don't forget, yeah, you're a great mom. And also remember, you're a writer, you're mm -hmm. a poet. You're more than just a great mom. And so you weren't necessarily initially inclined to apply for the Poet Laureate position. And it was Mark Anderson who kind of gave you the elbow and said, hey, why don't you think about this? Yeah, it was. Right before then, Mark had a book launch, a soft book launch for his book, Terminal Goals. And he had invited me to come and be one of his openers. And he introduced me. As like Spokane's new up-and-coming poet and I got up to the mic and I was like did anybody record that like can I get that in writing because I've been such a fangirl of Mark's like embarrassing embarrassing I used to stalk him at Boots and be like hi Mark and my life was falling apart as I knew it in the summer I was separating out of a 15-year marriage finding myself like unemployed going to be single this is the worst time to apply for Poet Laureate. Like, literally, it makes absolutely no sense. And I had called my spiritual mentor, if you will, and told her, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this. It's absolutely unreasonable, and it makes zero sense. And she said, I love it. She said, often you will find in your life that you're going to do things that don't make sense to other people, but they're true for you. And I thought, what harm could it be? You know, it, it got me in the chair and it put me in front of my computer again after kind of a couple of months of being off. That happens to me in the summer because I have four kids. I do a lot of writing in through fall to spring and then I sort of take summers off, it seems. Mm -hmm. And so it got me writing again just to compile all of my work and to look at the things that I had done and say, oh, we have something here. There's been plenty of times where I had thought about applying for a poet laureate, but I didn't have what I thought was the qualifications. And this time when I looked at what I had put together, it was there, particularly with community outreach and service. And that was like my workshops and some of my volunteer work, bringing poetry into Crosswalk Youth Shelter. And the school district has let me come in and be a guest a few times. And I was like, oh, yeah. I got something to offer. There's actually a poet here. And you are succeeding Chris Cook, and you actually took part in one of Chris Cook's initiatives as Poet Laureate, mm -hmm. which was the In the Neighborhood Poetry Project, which was really clever and, so and cool. solicited poets from each neighborhood in Spokane, and then they were published according to neighborhoods. So you could kind of see where these uh, creative hotspots were, and mm -hmm. you participated in that. And um, you wrote a poem called Found for that. Mm -hmm. What is Found about? Found is about high drive and Peaceful Valley, which is where I very first lived when I moved to Spokane, has a really special place in my heart. Some of my dearest friends still live down in Peaceful Valley. So it's kind of braiding together my experience of living um, in Spokane and just sort of the strange, beautiful, eclectic people 
and landscape that is here. You know, I've everywhere I've lived in Spokane has felt sort of whimsical and close to water and close to mountains and trees. And then also I'm five minutes from Target. It's very strange. <laughs> <laughs> so with Chris, this was one of his initiatives as Poet Laureate. You know, Mark Anderson had, um, you know, several projects of his own. And then you're coming in. And of course, there is this expectation that in addition to being an ambassador to poetry, the Poet Laureate is also going to have a little project or a few pet projects of their own. What is your kind of guiding vision or your MO as you come in? I, I've seen in other places that you're hoping to get poetry into places where it's not normally found. Mm-hmm. Is that the case? Yeah, that's the case. Um, so far, like I mentioned, Crosswalk You Shelter, places that we don't anticipate as poetic. Um, I particularly have a heart for correctional facilities, treatment centers, halfway housing. That's where I'm hoping to bring my poetry workshops into and then also just to help facilitate story holding in those places. Um, One of the projects that I'm working on um, through Spokane Arts is to get Airway Heights Correctional Facility to let me in. And the goal and the hope would be to create some sort of pen pal between incarcerated folks and, you know, people out here that uh, there would be some way to exchange poetry by mail that way. I, I've had a lot of experience with writing and receiving letters from people who are incarcerated, not just my own family and friends, but also through recovery. So it's a service to be on the receiving end of people's letters and poems, their lyrics, their art, because, yeah, that stuff kind of gets forgotten about. Yeah, and I think it's also an attempt to share the experience that you had in this almost epiphany where you thought, you know, I am a poet. And not only that, but I am a poet laureate. Mm -hmm. You know, as you reviewed your work, you thought, yeah, there is something here. And I guess it's an attempt to extend that experience to other people who don't view themselves as poets, who don't view themselves as writers, and get them to experience that kind of revelation as well, too, no? I love that you said that. That is... It's entirely it, because I think if more people had the opportunity to be believed in, to say what you think and what you feel and what you experience and the way that you're perceiving this experience, fancied or real, um, matters, that there's a place for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that has been my experience, really, is that somebody thought of me as a poet before I really bought into it. Yeah. And um, I want to extend that to others because that has been such a transformative experience to think of myself as a poet, to think of myself as a creative and and not just the things that I do, but who I be. Um, and that, yeah, I, I think that's a really healing. And I, I want that for everyone. Um, and I don't want to end this on a somber note, but <laughs> you're reading Poetry Moment for us this week. And... Two of your poems have to do with death. You have inventory number three, and then you have letters to my late brother never sent. And I was wondering why this is a common theme, and if there is something aside from that, maybe there's a a shared experience there that unites those two. Sure. So, and it kind of harkens back to the idea of, like, what my poet laureate term and mission is to bring poetry into spaces that you wouldn't normally think of as poetic 
um, because my brother passed away two years ago from an overdose and was incarcerated prior to that and spent the last six months of his life incarcerated and he and I exchanging poetry and lyrics and quotes from authors. So he was a poet and poetry did not save him. And it saved me. And there are many ways to recovery. One of them that I found that's continued to work for me over and over for the last 15 years has been writing and it's been creating and it's been sharing what I find in those places and spaces within myself with others. I liken it to that idea that when a tree falls in the forest, if no one's around to hear it, right, does it make a sound? To me, that's what poetry and creating are like. So we have to have other people with us and around us to make it real. And losing my brother in this sort of tragic way, it, it lit me up in a way that I had to, I had to do something with it or it was going to hurt me. And so it's putting on that sort of that fireproof suit and say, I'm going to make something beautiful with this. Um, that's what poetry does for me. And I'm hoping that I can help do that for others. And it sounds like, to stick with your metaphor, the poet laureateship is kind of enhancing that fireproof suit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been, it's been a rough couple of years for me, you know, losing my brother, transforming out of a marriage into single parenting, four children, a special needs child. It's been a lot. And I've had this thing that's mine that I get to look to and say, I'm doing this and um, life will continue to happen and unfold and I'm doing these things and I'm going to do them with other people and we're going to have a good time. Like inevitably, we're going to have a blast doing it. (laughs) Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming in today and not just talking now, but also reading for us on Poetry Moment this week. Thank you for having me. The new Spokane Poet Laureate Mary Smith there talking about making poetry more accessible and some of the initiatives that she'd like to implement during her two-year term. Mary has been reading for our Poetry Moment segment here on Spokane Public Radio all this week, and you can listen to those readings on demand at spokanepublicradio.org or by downloading the Poetry Moment podcast on all major podcast platforms. In the meantime, here's Mary reading the poem that came up during the interview, Found. This is Found. Stand in the right spot on high drive at sunset, and the whole world seems right. This is the finding place. Native yarrow, mossy patches, thrift stores and milk co-ops sprout at the ready. Here, our currency is connection. To pine and people, there are plenty. Along the banks of the Spokane River, unspoken truths run clear. Rainbow trout and cutthroat, keepers to everyone. Baptizing nudists between People's Park and Glover Field. 
these little deaths, subject to tribal fees, float away. Trust the water's current, energy efficient, mistakenly understood for nothing more than liquid. Yes, this is the finding place, our inland eastern sun, a savior. This has been the Thursday Arts Preview, a show that keeps an eye on the past, present, and future of the arts scene throughout the Inland Northwest. Each week on Spokane Public Radio, the Thursday Arts Preview offers us an opportunity to revisit fun and interesting interviews, music, and performances you might have missed when they first aired. It's also a space where we look ahead to upcoming events or activities that you won't want to miss. If you'd like to listen again or catch future episodes as soon as they air, subscribe to the Thursday Arts Preview podcast on major platforms like Spotify, TuneIn, and Apple Podcasts. For Spokane Public Radio, I'm E.J. Ionelli.